0: Hello and welcome. This is the Bits versus Byte podcast. I am your host, Armin Grigic, and today I have a very special guest from GitLab. Uh, he is uh, Sitze Sibrandi. He's from. Uh, he's the CEO actually uh, at G- GitLab. So, uh, welcome, Sitze. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, I was uh, I was wondering, could you tell a little bit about your background and uh, how uh, GitLab came about?
1: Yeah, um, I studied management science. I always had uh, companies and. Uh, at a certain point, I was uh, working as a Ruby on Rails uh, developer. And I saw this project called GitLab. And I thought it made so much sense because every single tool I used as a developer had an open source version. And then uh, GitLab was the first time I saw collaboration software where you could contribute back to it. Hmm. Uh, so I was intrigued. And I uh, started GitLab.com, the SaaS version of, uh, of GitLab.
0: Okay, and uh, so GitLab already existed before you started, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, at that point, when I saw it for the first time, it was a year old. It was started by my co-founder, Dimitri, Mm -hmm. and uh, he made it because he needed it himself. He uh, was working at a company of a few hundred people. He wanted something like this, but it uh, it had to uh, have a self-managed installation. There was no budget, and he's like, how hard can it be? I'll just make it for myself. And by that time, after the first year, 300 people, already joined that effort and contributed back.
0: Mm. And uh, could you tell a little bit about what you try to provide as GitLab as well?
1: Yeah, so GitLab started as a version control for software, but by now it's a single application for the entire DevOps lifecycle. Means that everything you need from managing and planning your projects, all the way to packaging, deploying, configuring, monitoring, securing, and defending your applications in a single application. So mm. we allow people to just have, get a Kubernetes cluster, get GitLab, and uh, you can do all your software development in a single application, which makes it a lot easier and a lot faster to collaborate.
0: Yeah, and uh, because you said that when, you, uh, when you joined, it was a year old, when was this? What kind of the time period was I, where I'm thinking about? Yeah, so in
1: 2011, Dimitri started GitLab. In 2012, I started Mm GitLab.com. In 2013, uh, Dimitri sent out a tweet: "I want to work on GitLab full time," (laughs) and uh, I hired him. 2014, uh, we uh, became uh, we incorporated. 2015, we joined Y Combinator, so Mm. we moved. uh, We moved to the US. and since then, it's grown. It's now 2019 or four hundred seventy people at the company, and over twenty two hundred people contributed to GitLab.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I can I can only imagine how it, how that must be for you guys that started it to to see that grow out and uh, in this kind of a project, right? Um, so I, I was wondering about something else. Is that what I've seen is that it's interesting that, you've, uh, that you took a lot of ave- avenues, right? So uh, it, it probably started out as an open source project, right? Is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah, it started out as an open source project. Yeah. Uh, and we tried many different business models. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we currently have is uh, open Core. So there's uh, additional features in GitLab aimed at managers and directors and executives and um, mm-hmm. that you... pay a monthly subscription for
0: yeah and you uh, when you joined as you said you started kind of gitlab.com which is kind of the SaaS version right so where uh, someone can take it hosted
1: yep um i did um by the time dimitri sent his tweet i want to work on gitlab full-time i realized that uh, most of the demand for gitlab was actually from people running their own software Hmm. Um, the the software process is so important to companies and they make they so many other systems depend on it that it's typically something people take or or, or larger organizations take in-house. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of people asking to help with that. And when Dimitri sent that tweet, I want to work on GitLab full-time, I took him up on his offer. We agreed on a uh, a monthly wage, and I uh, I went to the local Western Union money office to wire that from the Netherlands <laughs> to the Ukraine. They were like, do you know this person, or is this someone you met over <laughs> the internet? There were lots of scams going on at the time. But, uh, I made the wire, and uh, we were in business.
0: Uh, that's crazy. Because uh, uh, did you know each other for long? Because I can imagine when you kind of uh, start up in this kind of a way, uh, that uh, it sometimes helped to helps to know that person for a little while. So uh, did you know each other long, or...?
1: That was not the case for us. Oh, um, crazy. The only thing was when I started GitLab.com, I sent him an email like, oh. I'm, I'm going to try to start a SaaS version of this. And I hope, you, uh, um, hope you're hope you OK with that. You're not going to get anything. That was basically the message. And he sent the email back like, that's totally OK. It's open source. Go for it. I'm glad you're making GitLab more popular. So no. that was a very open source view of him to take. and uh, and that. That, that was our first interaction
0: yeah and what's also interesting to me is that the the you offer kind of both uh, both ways so you you offered the whole sauce version where you can just uh, take a host and then that's it and also have that open source was that kind of the strategy from the beginning or was that something that just came naturally because you saw that uh, you wanted to provide to more companies than just the 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 ones that you were targeting at that moment what was the reasoning behind that?
1: When I started, I thought that the SaaS would make all the money. Sure. Uh, I was inspired by companies like Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assumed that everyone was using SaaS and that, that was the logical thing. So I thought that would be um, a big success, but it wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of people trying it, but most large organizations insisted on uh, keeping it self, uh, self-managed so they could hook it up to all their other systems easily. Yeah. So that was a surprise to me, and, and we kind of... We started doing that as well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because in some cases it's always it's also because of the data, right? So maybe they are a little bit hesitant to to share that data with some external party or whatever. I can imagine that that was also one of the the avenues, right? Yep. And. Um, we're using GitLab uh, also, so that's that's uh, cool uh, to hear for you. Uh, I think as well is that uh, we're using the, the kind of self-hosted uh, version. Um, what I've um, what I've noticed is that the frequency of updating is is really high in, in my opinion, especially for this big of a project. So. Um, it's. I think it's like monthly or something like that, right? Or even fa- faster. Could you tell a little bit about that? What Was it kind of a strategy that you uh, c- came up with, or uh, your your co-founder came up with uh, to to keep that to keep that rolling? Because that's that's really hard in a, in an environment you are in right now. So uh, could you tell a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: So at, uh, Dimitri released the first version of GitLab on the twenty second, mm-hmm. and then the second month he was like, well. I can hit the 22nd again, and that's become a thing. (laughs) Uh, We never missed one, and we're coming up to 100 releases in a row now on the 22nd. That's sick. And it's, um, there's a value we have. It's a value of iteration. Mm -hmm. So instead of taking more time to build the same thing, just reduce scope and get something out there so that you can get feedback from your environment. And that reduces a lot of the, cancellations, the coordination problems that are inherent to software development. We stick by that value. So every month it ships and there's there's a cutoff date and the train the the release train never stops. Mm. And uh, we've always been able to get a new version out with a lot, a lot of extra features. Uh, also helped by people from the wider community who contribute more than 100 features every month.
0: Yeah, and how, how do you how do you keep that up, uh, especially when there's a lot of uh, people contributing? So how, do, how does that work? Uh, uh, who does like the checking of the, the things? Is that still your co-founder or how, do, how does that work?
1: By now we have uh, multiple maintainers. Mm-hmm. So those are the people responsible for an individual like, piece of functiona- uh, functionality. Uh, but we also, for example, have merge request coaches who try to get your merge request over the finish line so that it even like is ready for, for review.
0: Mm. And are those people from the community or those those people from GitLab
1: themselves? The merge request coaches and the maintainers, Uh, tend to be from GitLab itself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or GitLab the company
0: yeah it makes sense Uh, I mean it's your product still it's not like uh, it's out in the open and that's it I mean it's still a product that you uh, actively push on your own platform but also to to clients as well so I can imagine that that's uh, imagine that that's the case so, we would love
1: to, we'd love to have merch request coaches from the wider community, but yeah. it's a lot of work and and it's very hard for people to be able to afford so much work next yeah. to their day job.
0: Yeah, because it it, it especially when it's a, a bigger project, it's it's kind of hard to get into. So I was I was wondering about that as well, is that say for instance, people want, are wanting to contribute and stuff like that, is that also something that those coaches help with or how does that work?
1: Yeah, for sure, so those coaches, um, in 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 general, uh, if you commit your contribution. It gets triaged. Uh, okay. The relevant PM and the relevant uh, engineers see it. But some of them language like there's a lot of our definition of done is pretty extensive. Look, you gotta have documentation. You gotta have working tests. Um, there's there's uh, code code style guides. So a merge request coach kind of helps you get over that hump and sometimes even the merge request coach takes it up and, and finishes it for uh for someone they push additional commits and and helps it just helps it gets over the the finish line
0: yeah what was interesting to me is also something that you mentioned a little bit a uh, little bit earlier as well is that you don't see it anymore as software for a code repository right it's the whole package the whole uh, the whole uh the whole thing is uh, geared towards getting your uh, product to, to the finish line, right? So the whole integration and the Kubernetes and stuff like that. So um, could, could you tell me a little bit about why uh, that was so important to, be, to you? Because you could have just uh, stuck to doing the code repository on itself and that's it, right?
1: Yeah, so that was not obvious to us. Um... At a certain point, uh, we got a new GitLab runner. GitLab runner is a part of our GitLab CI functionality, and someone made a way better one, written in Go instead of Ruby, and it it was amazing. So he said to this person, Camille, thank you. We'll make this our official one from now on. And by the way, do you want to work for GitLab?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, crazy how that
1: works. (laughs) And he did. He joined, and he's been prolific. And at a certain point, he says, well, we have these two different applications. GitLab version control and GitLab CI. Mm-hmm. Should we make, combine them into one application? And Dimitri explained to him, obviously not. It's like these, integr- these applications are really well integrated. Like they have all the APIs to talk with each other. They're custom made to, they only work together. So they're custom made to fit together really well. So it's not needed. And it's, this is not what's standard in the industry. He convinced Dimitri, they came to me and I said, obviously not. Like the Unix philosophy, many, small, sharp tools that are composable. That's how things should be done. He said, well, if you don't believe me that it's better, at least believe me that it's more efficient. Because right now, we're maintaining two Rails apps with pretty similar menus, templates, dependencies. Let us at least combine that. I'm like, Well, efficiency is one of our values, so I can say no to that. So we did it. Turns out, he was completely right. It was such a better experience for our users to not have to bounce around between different applications, to not have to log in again, to see the relevant information right there. Because it was a single data store, you're not looking either at version control or at CI. You can combine information from both. Mm. And we, we felt like we unlocked a secret. A secret not because we don't tell anybody, um, but a secret because um, other uh, menu f- other software producers are unlikely to follow us. And we doubled down on that. And by now, we, we expanded the scope, not just version control and CI, but everything you could need in a lifecycle. Like a recent thing we added is like feature flags. And there's a Docker container repository and all these things in a single application. And it's so much easier. You don't have to pass credentials around. You have a single concept of who a user is and what they can do. And you can service the relevant information at any point.
0: Yeah. And that that makes sense because um, it it's the reason why I'm asking this is that a lot of uh, a lot of people say okay you should focus on what you're good at and uh, just focus your product on that as well right so uh, look at your product and say okay we're good at code repositories we're good at uh, doing all the things around it so the pull requests and stuff like that um, but I I see. I see that it's working also from our vantage point for why one of the reasons we picked GitLab actually was that uh, we saw that. I, I was tired of switching applications. <laughs> that was ma- mainly the thing. So I was tired of of course they are integrated and I, I can get everything to work and when I do uh, when I merge and uh, merge a pull request for example, it will of course kick off the job in some other uh, uh, product or whatever. but I, 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 I like the kind of having the overview of everything in one go, right so everything in one screen. And I know that uh, I know that that's uh, maybe that's one of the things that you get back as feedback as well. Is that something that you hear as well?
1: Yeah, with, with GitLab, you benefit from the, the DevOps best practices mm-hmm. of over 100,000 organizations using GitLab. So all those people, when they miss something, they will add it to GitLab. So you don't have to figure out, oh, I should set an extra hook here to do this, and then I have to update this app, and then I need to install this. No. People will add it to GitLab, and it will just get released. Like, you want to deploy a static website? Wait, just set it. GitLab pages. You want to deploy a private website? Wait, someone just contributed private websites for GitLab pages. Like You don't have to go into your Nginx config and add that yourself, mm-hmm. um, which is like two days of work. Um, it just works out of the box.
0: Yeah. Um, and one one big thing. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. So one big thing that I've noticed there is that um, what, what I've what I've noticed is you you added the kind of Kubernetes support as well, right? So you you've said okay, uh, where is that is that uh, how how did that uh, come about? Because I can imagine you had uh, you had options to to deploy to other clusters and stuff like that, but why Kubernetes, for example?
1: Yeah, we we got lucky, so. After we did CI, there was more and more CD functionality, continuous deployment, continuous delivery. And then we started looking at like releasing and configuring and monitoring. And we were a bit daunted. Like we'd have to adapt to every single cloud, every single provider. And then Kubernetes came along and kind of made one API for the entire infrastructure layer. So we we jumped with joy, and we jumped right on that. And right now in GitLab, you can just add Kubernetes clusters to your project or to your group or to your instance, and GitLab will know what to do. It will know how to build your code, how to run your tests, how to check the performance, how to check the quality of your code, how to run security tests. It will do review apps. It will know, just know these things. Just give it a Kubernetes cluster and GitLab will be happy. And uh, so that's been a big game changer for us. One thing I want to come back to is focus on what you're good at. Yeah, so it took to figure that out. And the thing is, we need a kind of division of labor between people working for GitLab, the company, and the wider community. And people at GitLab, the company are good in breath, like good in figuring out what is the additional thing that should be integrated with GitLab and have a first step at that. Because that's super hard, work, super complex work. You need UX people, you need people that have an overview that are in the day to day business. And then expanding that thing, adding an incremental feature on top. That's something our wider community is really good at. Like, hey, um, I have the I have Docker container repository, but I want multiple container types uh, for one project. Great. That, that's obvious where to place that into the interface. It's a lot of work, but it is much easier to reason about. So the people that work at GitLab focus on breath over that, hmm. focus on just biting off additional scope. And then the rest of the community, Take that land that we tilled, and they sow uh, the grains in there to to grow new functionality.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense because um, I, I tell it all the time is that uh, and that's something that, that we've mentioned, we've seen as well in our company is that uh, we've we've shifted our focus uh, several times because of clients that wanted stuff and stuff like that. But uh, and what you get is some kind of a product that is not doing anything particularly well. <laughs> it's doing kind of everything at once, but uh, not uh, not something really, really good. And that's something that I've noticed, uh, um, uh, especially from my side. Uh, that's something that I've noticed in GitLab, is that uh, although it does give you that option to do the kind of continuous integration, the continuous deployment and everything like that, but uh, it, it still uh, integrates it so nicely that you... Kind of still have that that feeling that you're just using one product, right? It's not, it doesn't feel like something is just hanging around there, and you're using it. Um,
1: yeah, that, that's why we spend our time. That's why we have a great UX team, UX researchers, um, and then to get like best in class, it takes time. It takes contribution. So when we started with the CI. It was not a great product, but by now, uh, the latest Forrester review says. GitLab CI is better than anything, better than Jenkins, better than Circle CI. It has more functionality, and it can do more, and it, it, it offers that in a, in a comprehensive way. So it takes a while for the, for the wider community to add that, but it, it will happen. So now we're now doubling down on this and biting off a lot of scope and then allowing the, the wider community to participate. And they're stepping up, we're seeing number of contributions growing very steadily month over month
0: yeah because uh, that's something that we we've used uh, Jenkins in the past and we've switched over as well Um, it's mostly for my part uh, it it was mostly due to uh, things like actually having a file that says okay this is what we're going to do in the CI and I'll also have that under version control that which is uh, which is great because you can just see what happened. In, in Jenkins, I had that a little less because you set it up and then you save it, and when you change something, you cannot go back and see what happened. Right? Uh, probably there was some kind of plugin or whatever, but uh, that's that's uh, something that uh, was a little bit annoying to me. Is that uh, of course it had a lot of functions and stuff like that, but it's still uh, it's still totally different from what what I wanted to have, and that was kind of the integration with with my code repository in this sense um so what i what i wanted to ask about as well is that uh your competition of course uh there is a lot of competition within your space but uh, i've i've seen that uh github actually github had the the announcement that they were going to do private repositories for free and stuff like that um has that kind of impacted uh has that impacted your business at all because you also had, uh, I think you had free, free private repositories as well, right? At uh, GitLab.com. So yes. ha- has, that, uh, has that kind of impacted your, uh, your space and wh- where you operate?
1: Yeah, I'm sure that will have an impact. And uh, GitHub is a, is a, for version control, it's a great product. And uh, Microsoft is, is not screwing it up so far. They're doing a great job of, of being a steward of the product and they're going to give us some stiff competition in the marketplace. Yeah. So far, that competition has worked out great for us uh, because people are much more looking at, okay, I know what GitHub is, what is GitLab? And that's, that's what we need because the worst for us would be if we get classified as an alternative for GitHub for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, and, can imagine that. <laughs> yeah, so because people are now taking notice and because there's this competition going on, people have a look at our homepage and they're like, wow, it's not just an alternative for GitHub, it's an alternative for the 50 tools we're now stringing together and we're spending a lot of time on. And and that is that aha moment that we need. So, so far business has been great. Uh, This past calendar year, again, we more than uh, doubled uh, our absolute growth rate, our incremental ECV. Yeah. Uh, So it's, uh, we're almost tripling year over year. Uh, And now for the sixth year in a row.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, and that's that's a good segue into to my next next question as well. Is that uh, you? You've been scaling a lot, Uh, as you said. You well, pretty much started uh, uh, like seven years ago, something like that, right? Uh, Seven, eight. Uh, So, uh, has what were some of the challenges that you had while while scaling? Because I can imagine scaling from uh, maybe a, a small group of people to uh, how many employees did you say? It was like 400 and something.
1: Yeah, 400 in more countries.
0: Yeah, so I can imagine. And e- even with the kind of geo thing, because you you're working you're working remotely then. Uh, ha- what were some of the challenges that you had like early on and getting to this this number that you're at right now and still growing?
1: Yeah, I think we. There were lots of things, but one of the things is we faced skepticism, whether our our, uh, old remote model would work. And uh, we stuck to it, and it turned out it works really well. So we're happy we stuck to that model. And we're not a hybrid company with some people in a headquarter and some people uh, outside of there. Um, I think another thing that worked for us is we write a lot of things down. We have a public handbook. It's over 2,000 pages now. um, And it really helps to onboard new people. They have to ask way fewer questions. Um, and it also allows people to make changes. Just change the handbook and the process change, um, changes. So it allows us to both onboard people better and to stay flexible and have things up for discussion and debate and change.
0: Yeah, so are, are you fully still fully remote then? Uh, is, is that what you're saying as well? Correct. Mm. And uh, what what I was wondering about th- there is that uh, we're working remotely as well with our developers. And one thing that I've uh, that I've noticed is uh, something. That, uh, of course, company culture is a is a big thing, uh, especially when you're uh, in the same room. It, that that kind of evolves. Uh, how how does that? Uh, how have you seen that uh, evolve in these kind of years, uh, working remotely as well? Uh, how, how do you still keep that kind of same culture and stuff like that, uh, st- uh, still still alive?
1: Yeah, so with remote, you have to organize the social connections between people. And that's something uh, we're really deliberate about. We take a design approach to that. Um, so, for example, we do coffee chats where it's totally normal to schedule half an hour with someone without an agenda. We do group conversations every day. Actually, I'm up in a couple of minutes where I have a presentation, but people just ask questions for 25 minutes. Mm. We- Company calls, where you hang out with the same group of people uh, four times a week, um, we do a GitLab contribute, where we fly everyone into one location. And we spend a lot of time going on excursions together and having an unconference. So we do a lot of things um, to make those social connections happen. We, we quickly jump on Zoom calls and things like that. We don't want GitLab to feel distant or lonely. We just want people to be. Uh, to have a lot of freedom and to, to have a lot of um, to be effective.
0: Cool. And, and one I have still just two questions for you before uh, you have to go. Um, how, how do you kind of see uh, this whole development space and stuff like that changing in the near future? And what your role uh, as GitLab will be in that space as well? Uh, how, do you see that, uh, how do you see that evolving in the, in the next few years?
1: I think we're seeing an explosion of uh, complexity. Uh, Kubernetes one, so that's going to be the default layer. With the rise of microservices and all these new best practices like uh, feature uh, flagging and incremental rollouts um, are going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to a technology called auto-remediation, where if there is a vulnerability in your software, GitLab patches it for you and it monitors whether it's still functioning as an app and otherwise reverts it. Things like that are going sick. to become more important.
0: Yeah, that, that's sick because that's, those are kind of the things that uh, we as humans are <laughs> a little bit blind to in some cases that uh, we, of course, have code reviews and stuff like that, but still slips through somehow. Uh, that's something that, that I've noticed as well. So to wrap up, uh, my last question, uh, what, are, what are you most proud of since you started
1: Well, I, I think I'm I'm really proud of, of the team we built. Um, being all remote, people get to opt into a company. So where almost wherever they are at the world, in the world, they can opt into GitLab, and uh, we've been able to our values of results of iteration of transparency and three others, they've they they are now more strong than they were when we started. So I I think that that combination of a strong culture together with um, people opting into the organization made for a great team.
0: Very cool. So uh, where can people find you?
1: If they Google GitLab, G-I-T-L-A-B and me personally, uh, I'm S-Y-T-S-E-S on Twitter. Okay, cool.
0: Thank you for your time and thank you for uh, being here. Um, and uh, of course, uh, for the people listening, uh, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and also on uh, Twitter, SoundCloud, uh, Instagram. Uh, we're all over the place. So it's all Bits vs. Bytes uh, if you're looking for that. And I would like to thank you for listening. And until next time.